0: three, two, one. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the
1: Final Tackle Podcast. Roll the intro. So whether you're on the cricket ground, Lang Park or the bush, you still gotta run, you still gotta tackle, and the scrums are not the same bush. You give it some, you give some more, and you really...
0: And now here's a quick word about our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by Leeds RLFC stickers. They are an England based sticker company specializing in Leeds Rhinos Super League stickers. They are 100% quality guaranteed with regular new design releases. Head over to their Instagram, give them a follow and DM them for prices and much more. They have excellent prices. They also ship internationally. I go through them for all of my Leeds Rhinos stickers merch. We are also currently in talks of designing and releasing a Final Tackle exclusive design. So be sure to follow them and us on Instagram for updates on that. Their Instagram is leedsrlfc underscore stickers. It will be linked in the description of this episode on YouTube, Spotify, Podbean, our Facebook, Instagram and more. This episode is also sponsored by the Grange Hotel in Wyoming, New South Wales, Australia. They have quality food, $12 schnitties with almost any gravy that you can think of. I personally love the pepper gravy that they do on the schnitties for $12 there. They also show every single game of the NRL live on the big screen. So go over there. Pour yourself a of beer with your mates, order a snooty with your mates as well, and have a cracker of a time watching the footy on the big screen at the Grange. Their Facebook will be linked in the description of this episode and on our Facebook bios and everything else for our social medias as this well. This episode is in partnership with the Rugby League Away Day. It is an Instagram-based Salford City and Super League news outlet. They focus on the Super League women's at the moment. For all of your Super League, Super League women's, and more news, head over to their Instagram. It is first founded in 2017 by a former Salford City Under nineteen academy player. Their Instagram is rugby league away day. And we're back. I just want to give a quick shout out to Danny Mcmaster, the originator of our intro song, who has been kind enough to let us use a bit of his um, chorus for our intro from now until whenever we decide to go with a new intro. Be sure to go and head over to his Instagram or his Twitter for more comedy gold with his songs, his his impersonations, his impressions and everything in between. They will be linked in the video on YouTube and also in the Spotify episode as well. Anyway, everyone, I am joined by, in my opinion, a f- future immortal, a golden boot winner, Parramatta Eels legend, four-time grand final winner with Parramatta Eels, Brett Kenny. Thank you for joining us here, mate.
2: And it's a pleasure.
0: All right, let's get stuck into it. Uh, the first question is, you made your debut for Parramatta in 1980. What was that like for you?
2: Well, it was a, I guess in a lot of ways it was a bit of a surprise. I, um, I was actually trialling back then for um, the uh, junior representative team at Parramatta it was oh, called wow. President Cup, which yep. was under-21s. And we had a trial game against um, some of the guys that were looking to play grade yep. and yep. make the under-23s. And after that trial, um, I got a phone call from uh, Ron Fernley, who was the brother of Terry Fernley, and, and um, he asked me, if I'd like to come over and try out for grade, so I obviously said yes. So I'd love to do that, and uh, went through all the different trial games and and so forth. And um, yeah, then got graded in in 1980, as you said, and, and was very fortunate to play first grade that same year. Oh,
0: wow! That's actually wow. I, they don't really do those those trial things anymore, do they, for the NRL? No, no, it's
2: it's, it's... Look, I, I tend to think it was probably a lot easier back when I was when I started. You know, you had those opportunities, as I said, to to play in a number of um, trial games. I think, um, you know, every weekend for probably five weekends or six weekends in a row, we we had a trial game before they made final selections on a squad. So um, it was, I think, was a lot easier then. But nowadays, it's it seems to be that uh, they just look at the way you perform at club level um, against the opposition that you come up against and, and um, make a decision from there as to whether they think you'd be capable of playing at a higher level, obviously at a grade level, and um, that's the way it's, it's done. So sometimes, you, you know, it, it it makes it a little difficult. Yep. Um, some, some guys could get under the radar and, um, you know, not be noticed and, uh, and that, but I guess that's the way it is at the moment.
0: Yeah, unfortunately. Um, talking about going up against players, you played against honestly, the synonymous king of state of origin, Wally Lewis. In the 17 games you played for New South Wales, 12 of those were against Wally, and you actually ended up having an advantage. You won eight of those 12 encounters against him, and Wally only won four. What was it like having that, you know, winning record sort of thing against an immortal?
2: Well, I guess, I mean, it's it is a, a good thing to have, I guess, you know, it, it, um, as you say, Wally Lewis is an immortal and, and, um, I was able to have a, a winning record, um, against him playing for New South Wales. But of course there was more, it was more than just me and it, and it was more than just Wally, you know, they, mm-hmm. there were, um, 12 other players in both those sides. So, um, while I, I, it's nice to have people say, well, when you played five, eight, you know, we won more games than we lost against Queensland and in particular Wally Lewis. It's, um, but yeah, there was a, you know, other players in that team that that um, played a big part in us winning those games. So um, yep. you know, I'm I'm happy to take the take the rap and everything. But <laughs> yeah, the reality is, you know, it was it was um, 12 other players, and or actually, probably 13 other players, 14 other players actually that that played a big part in those results.
0: Exactly as I say, it takes a team sort of thing. Um, following into that question. Um, Sorry, just quickly going through the list. Uh, you had numerous long-standing records at the Eels as a, as a club records, such as most tries in a season, most club games for the Eels. They have now since been, you know, beaten because there's new there's newer players and whatnot. What do you reckon was the record you're the most proud of at the Eels, as in a club record?
2: Well, I I guess probably the most games would have been the, the one because. Um, you know, it was a, it's a tough sport, to back up week in, week out, and play—you um, know—it was, it was always going to be difficult to be able to actually hold a record at some stage. To um, have the most games played um, was probably something, yeah, that I was, I was pretty proud of. I always thought it would, would more than likely get beaten, um, but uh, yeah, it was good good to um, to have that record for a little while.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's actually really awesome. Um, and I agree with you; it, it takes a lot to withstand one game, let alone over 200 that you played. Um, Especially given that it was a totally different era at the time that you played and it was a much... And I don't mean to um, put the current version of the game into disrepute, but it was a much tougher, much more stronger, much... um, Honestly, uh, again, like uh, anyone's game back then. Um, Next question is... During your time in the NRL, you played for club, state, and nation. Which level was your proudest achievement, and which one was the toughest?
2: Well, look, uh, you, when you play for your country, that's obviously the the ultimate in any sport, and and um, it was no different for me. You know, yep. I was fortunate enough to the others to get selected to play for Australia, and in 1982 was the first time I represented Australia and went away on the Kangaroo tour and. And um, played for them right up until the end of the 1987 season. Um, so obviously, you know, that that was something that's very memorable. But I guess when you look at origin and you look at, at Test Match Football, you're sort of playing with guys, obviously, from other clubs and other states. But you're together, more likely for a week before you play. And then yep. that might happen yep. on three occasions throughout the year where um, you know, when you're playing at club level, you're with the guys from probably late October, early November, right through till you make the grand final, the end of September. Yeah. So yeah. it's like you're being with a family, and and to be able to play in a grand final, and win a win a grand final with those guys is something very very special. As I said, you know, playing for your country is the ultimate in any sport, but. Um, It is a very special occasion when you're able to win a grand final with those guys that you've been together with for almost 12 months.
0: Yeah, no. Um, And speaking of grand finals, you are a former player of the Parramatta Eels and part of the team that won all four of the Parramatta Eels grand finals from 1980 to 1983, I think it was, and um, 1986. Which one is... Your proudest achievement, the 86, the first one, or the 3 Pete? Oh, look, I, I
2: obviously the first one um, against Newtown. I mean, it, a couple of reasons. One, it was Paramount's first 76 yep. in their history. Um, but also, it was my first grand final I'd ever played in. so I was very, very fortunate, you know, to, to be able to say, well, you know, I'd never played in a grand final in junior football, and, Yep. Um, the first time I ever played in the grand final was a first grade rugby league final, and, and it was against Newtown, and we won. So, um, and I scored a couple of tries. So, that was pretty special. And um, you know, as I said before, it, it, it was always good to play to win grand finals. When I, and I guess, but to choose one of those four that we won, I, I guess number one would be 1981, and number two would be 1986 because of the fact that. We were able to send out two of paramount greatest ever the players. And Mick Clannan and Ray Price, when they retired, they were
0: able to retire winning a premiership. Yeah, nice. Um, and sorry yeah, for that faux pas. I did bugger up by saying 1980. It was 1981, 82, 83, and then 86. Speaking of um, Ray Price, just as a, a little bit of a promo, the Legends of League tournament is in November. November 16th at McDonald Jones Stadium. Everyone get there. I will be there, and I'll be interviewing as many players as I possibly can. And also, Ray Price has been announced as the Parramatta coach for that day. Be sure to get down there, ha- grab yourself um, some autographs, you know, meet and greet some old players that you used to go and watch as a kid or even as an adult. Um, now, circling back into grand finals. In the 86 grand final, you had two tries controversially disallowed. Do you think in in your heart, even nowadays, et cetera, that they were tries or, or not sort of thing?
2: Well, at the time, you know, like days even weeks after the grand final I, I still thought that I'd scored at least the first try. Yep, um, yep. The second one I wasn't too sure about it. I, I realised that I had sort of I guess in a way I was grounded before the try on and then I sort of lifted myself up and over the yep. top of it. So So some somewhat of I'd a double it. movement sort of thing? Yeah so it was yep. probably yeah. So, but the first one I thought was definitely a try but when I, uh, I was working for Fox Sports for a while there, commentating on, on some of the NRL games, and yep. they actually showed me some footage. And obviously, with the more modern technology, they were able to slow it down um, a lot better than they used to back in 1986. And of yep. course, when you have a look at it, you can see there's a slight gap between the ball while it's on the ground. The point of the ball is actually touching the ground. And the other end of the ball, there was a gap between it and my hand. So... In actual fact, Mick Stone was right when he awarded no try, and it makes you wonder whether or not video um, or the video bunker is is necessary because he was proven to be 100% right even when they used the video.
0: Yeah, and obviously it was controversial at the time purely because because of the technology there wasn't so much of being able to slow it down and everyone at the field on the day you know the fans and whatnot would have seen it in the high speed that it was not being able to slow it down thinking oh that's a try safe as houses sort of thing
2: yeah and, and you know i mean obviously the the fans and even the players you know at the time it's a grand final it was the first try scored in the game or it would have been the, the yeah. first try scored in the game, and. And um, you know, you're hoping that well yes, it is a try, that he's awarded the try. I and mean, when he didn't, I mean obviously a lot of people were disappointed and I mean I was often asked after the game, uh, you know, why didn't you stand up and, and complain about it? And I said, Well it was pointless doing that. The referee had already made his decision and the Bulldogs are up on the twenty meter line, taking the tap for the restart. So,
1: yeah.
2: Yeah, it'd be pointless when was standing in the saying, Hang on a minute, I think it was a try, you know, it was um, but as I said, it was, it was real no try and it was proved to be 100% correct.
0: Yeah, and we've got a few more questions before we head into the fans' question. Um, who was the prankster at the Eels during your time there?
2: Oh, look, probably you all didn't mind having a bit of a spectacle joke. I think Paul Taylor was probably the one that, that um, was the real prankster. Um, you know, we, we used to do a few things and that to each other at the various stages from um, the training and, and so forth. But, but um, yeah, Tazza was Paul Taylor was probably the the prankster as far as the players were concerned. And Ron yep. Massey, who was um, Jack Gibson's assistant, he was quite a bit of a, a prankster himself. And I re- remember we had uh, Bob O'Reilly was playing. It was back in 1981. And yep. um, I think it was the Bear was coming up for the weekend's game was. A bit of a, um, a highlight for him because I think it was going to be his 150th or something like that first grade game for Parramatta. Oh wow! Um, so obviously a special occasion. Well, so what they did just before training, they decided to. This was on the Saturday morning. They yeah. presented the bear with a with a watch, and um, they got Mick Cranon to actually make the presentation. Mm-hmm. And when uh, the bear got the watch, he was sort of overcome a bit you know he, he um, really didn't know what to say and with that Ron Massey's walked over to him grabbed the watch and said you can't even be thankful for these guys what they've done for it. throws a watch on the floor and stamps on it and <laughs> got the door all shattered and um the bear was shattered himself he struggled to train for the, the, um, that morning and uh after after training we had we have a barbecue and, and um so at the barbecue they they called him over and said, look, you know, we want to make another presentation to you. This is actually the real watch. Oh,
1: the other one God. was one they
2: bought from <laughs> Paddy's Market. So oh. It cost $10. So they, they explained to him what had happened, you know, and, and give him the real watch. So, like, yeah, Ron Massey was, oh, he was a bit what of a crank for well.
0: <laughs> Far out. Um One last question before we head to the fans' questions. With the 2019 season all but done, it's down to the grand final. Who is your tip for the grand final win, the Raiders or the Roosters?
2: And look, I'll tip. I'll tip the Roosters. Um, yep. Only because I think you know they've, they've got a quality side right across the park. Their two halves have been playing very well. They've got a lot of experience in, as far as grand finals are concerned.
0: Yes, for sure. But
2: in saying that, it wouldn't surprise me. The Raiders played very well in the final. Their defence has been outstanding, and, and defence does win a lot of games. Um, and, and it wouldn't surprise me if they're able to beat the Roosters, but I just think that that experience from from last year um, and the fact they got Cooper Cronk at halfback um, and Hargraves comes back into the side, I really think that you know, their experience will be enough to get them through.
0: I agree. Um, I've, I'm not necessarily a, a Raiders bandwagon sort of fan, but even earlier on in the season, around round ten-ish, I was like, I even said to in, on the podcast and whatnot keep an eye out for the Raiders, everyone, you know, they'll, they're coming and look, look what they've, well, look what they've achieved. They've got to the grand final. I personally hope that the Raiders win, but again, I think the Roosters are going to win it. They're going to be the first team since the Broncos 92, 93 to get the double. Um, and I think they'll win comfortably, between like four to eight points, sort of thing. I, like you said, with the experience of the players, they were most of the team was there last year, and um, also a majority of the team was there in 2013. Um, a few other players have also had grand final experience, whether it's losses or wins, such as Brett Morris. And want you, you just can't. You just can't go past them. But like you also said, I wouldn't be surprised if the Raiders pull an upset win if their defense holds strong. Um, got a, got some questions now from fans. David Armstrong asks, do you think the current Eels team has what it takes to A, get to a grand final and B, to win a grand final?
2: Oh, look, at the moment, I, I think, you know, they they probably need a bit more time together. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that showed this year. While the, well, they finished fifth in the competition. I really don't think, when you look at the sides that were below them, um, you start to wonder whether the competition was that hard. But, <laughs> but look, yeah. you know, they... They, um, I mean, when you look at Parramatta versus Brisbane, you know Brisbane had 58 points scored against them in the semi-final. Yeah. You start to wonder about how, how the teams that finished in the bottom half of the eight or the bottom half of the competition. But I just think they need a bit more time together. Maybe they can get a few more experienced players, in particular in the forwards. Yep. Um, it might help them. Um, I wouldn't say that they would that they could win a competition in within the next two years, mm-hmm. maybe, but. Um, You know, look, I I think the biggest thing for them is if they can finish in the top eight every year for the next two or three years, it it might give themselves a a good chance to to at least get to a grand final. And I think looking at them, they're probably a side that needs to be in a grand final first. And lose one before
0: they'll win one. Yep, they, that is an old NRL adage that you've got to lose one to win one. Luckily for you, that wasn't the case. Um, Your first grand final and you won it. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> next question is from bon- Bob Sunderland. And he asks, would you consider coaching the Eels juniors such as their reserve grade, like the the, the wenty Magpies, etc. And thoughts about the wrestling in today's game. And he thinks it can be stopped. How do you want it to be stopped if you want it to be?
2: Well... The first question. I actually did coach at, at uh, Wendy in 2010. I coached Wentworthville at the reserve grade. Yep, um, and got to the semi-finals. Um, I think for those people that can remember, in 2010, the first grade didn't make the eight. The under 20s ran last, so we were the only team from, from Parramatta to make the semi-finals. Oh, far out! Um, and unfortunately, for whatever reason, I was never really told, but they did not be coaching there the following year. So. Oh. I had the opportunity to to coach, and I, I'd like to think that I, I did, you know, a reasonably good.
1: Well,
0: you got into the uh, semi-finals, so that's, that's got into the semi
2: Yeah, so um, I, yeah, to answer the question, I would love to be involved again mm-hmm. with the club, um, whether it be in a coaching role, whether it be an ambassador type role, um, to help out, do different various things around the club, and maybe come over and help out with a bit of coaching with some of the individual players. Yep. things like that but certainly would love to be involved again i'm sure i know there's quite a few others eric grace another one that would love to have been involved with the club again in some some area but um so we'll just wait and see whether that ever happens but uh, as far as the wrestling goes, look i i think the only way you're going to stop that is you penalties during the game i mean the, the coaches are always looking to get a, an edge on opposition teams um it's it's not i guess it's not illegal to have Um, a wrestling case as part of the
0: thing. yeah like unfortunately i think it's a necessary part of the game now that there is so (laughs) many rules in the sense of you know the scrum is definitely not what it used to be the um you know they've gotten rid of the shoulder charge for good reason and i agree with that but you know it's just become a matter of the only way to sort of battle for contention with the ball is wrestle slash, you know, the ball strip, which even now they're looking to try to outrule that. I think wrestling is a, a, unfortunately an integral part of the game now, and it's needed yeah. for that sort of thing. Whereas if they had not gotten rid of, you know, making the scrum what it is now, and if, as in what it used to be,
2: there wouldn't yeah, be exactly. as much
0: wrestling needed, you know? Well, yeah,
2: I mean, I agree. They've got to, you know, as I've said, if they're going to have the wrestling as part of the game, if they're trying to stop it, well, they've got to obviously look at penalising teams for doing certain parts when they make the tackles. If they do that enough, maybe the coaches will stop because they don't want their teams penalised all the time. But yep. I think a lot of teams, you know, they've got to look at a lot of the rules. I I generally think there is too many rules in the game. Yes, and agreed. that's one of the things that, that's ruining the game. I think they need to go back go through every rule, have a look and see what it does and what it doesn't do and whether or not it's good or bad for the game. Exactly,
0: and, whether it's and, got more positive or negative and, effect on the game. Exactly, get yep. rid,
2: of it, rid of it. Yeah, you know, and, and, and I think, um, you know, I, I like some of the rules that help the attacking team and um, as, as much as defence is a big part of rugby league, people like to see tries getting scored. And I,
1: yep. and one of the
2: rules where they... They said the goal post, uh, sorry, the corner posts are no longer in play. You can knock the corner post over when you score a try. I think that was great because now we're seeing some spectacular wingers try. Oh, it's know? great!
0: Honestly, it's so great. And that's to a good that.
2: thing. I think the stripping the ball rule—they've got to get rid of that. I mean, we have got guys running around here, professional rugby league players, earning anywhere between two hundred and a million dollars, um, two hundred thousand and a million dollars uh, a year, and we're telling t- 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 the opposition they're not allowed to take the ball off him. I think you know the, if the guys can't hold on to the ball um, at this stage of their career, they're never going to be able to hold on to the ball. And and I do believe it's it's a cause of a lot of problems around the play the ball area because obviously obviously the the coaches want quick play the balls. Yep. Players are wrestling to try and cold hold hold him down. The yep. And then with the ball trying to get himself up doesn't have hold of the ball that well, loses the ball, and then all of a sudden then we've got conjecture as to whether or not he lost it or whether it was strip from him well if there was no strip in the ball world you wouldn't have to worry about that yep. you just say well he's lost it and save hit. But, but that's the problem they just need to I think change some of the rules around so we can sort of help the game progress and, and become better
0: yeah for sure I agree honestly with that tenfold um, next question is from Ian Rhodes and he asks what was it like playing for Wigan in the 1985 Cup Final against Hull, which had your former teammate Peter Sterling in it? And also, a side note, Ian Rhodes was at that game and said it was one of the best games of footy he's seen in his life.
2: Yeah, look, it was it was, it was great. I, I went over to Wigan. I wasn't sure what to expect. I, that was the first time I'd been to England to play for an English team. Obviously, was over there in 82 in the Kangaroo Tour. But, yep. um, yeah, very, very fortunate with, with Wigan. They were... Very good side had a a lot of quality um, young players who I think uh, four years later, oh sorry, two years later, all, all a lot of them became um, internationals playing for Great Britain. Yep. But um, yeah, we, we had a, a good young side. We were able to get to the Dumbells Cup final. It was great playing at Wembley Stadium. I'd only ever seen Wembley Stadium on TV watching FA Cup finals oh, in well, the yep. and Yep, to actually be there was magnificent, and a hundred thousand people. Uh, watching the game it was just um one of the best things i've ever experienced and um obviously have never experienced anything like that again yeah um never played in front of a hundred thousand people here in australia and um so it was that yeah very special and a lot of ways it was it was tough at times because you know on the opposition team as you said was peter sterling and john muggledon based from parramatta and yeah he knew one of us had to be in a winning team and and fortunately enough, it was for me. And but you sort of felt for these other two guys because you knew how good they are, and um, not just as footballers, but as men. And, yeah,
1: exactly. And it was
2: disappointing to think they, you know, they couldn't couldn't walk away with a, a cup winners medal. But, that, um, I was just glad that I was actually fortunate enough to be in the winning team. With yep. certainly a great experience and something that I've always cherished and will always remember.
0: Wonderful. Um, Just before we go to the last fan's question, that sort of helps me tie in the next question, which is about your accolades and your achievements during your playing time, from which you got M Player of the Year, got the Golden Boot, Clive Churchill Medal. Well, back then it was, um, you know, Player of the Match for the Grand Final, etc. What is your proudest achievement of your NRL career?
2: Oh, well, look, I guess, obviously the Golden Boot Award, which was um given to you as the best player, rugby league player in the world. So, yeah. um, you know that that's something that just becomes very special. And the funny story is that I, I was it was 1986. I arrived in England on the Kangaroo tour, and we were at Leeds, um, at Headingley at, at, um, oh, wow. at Leeds home ground. Yep. And we were there to get some photos, team shots, and individual shots done. And as I got off the bus, a couple of guys from the Open Rugby magazine pulled me aside and told me that I'd won this Golden Beat Award, and I had no idea what it was. Oh wow! And I said, "Well, how?" I'm when they said gold I'm thinking, "Well, a goal kicker, something, you know." And I said, "Well, how did I win this? I don't kick goals." And they said, "No, no, they explained to me what it was." And yep. I said, "Oh, that was great, you know." And it um, took a while to, to sink in, and the unfortunate thing was I couldn't tell anyone because. They had to get photos for their magazine, and the presentation was done, I think, a week or two later. Yeah. So I couldn't tell anyone. If I was on the phone to my family back home, I couldn't say anything in case my roommate came in. Yeah,
0: or it leaked or anything. had to keep it all
2: to myself. Oh, that terrible. (laughs) Yeah, you know, and and then the day of the presentation, it was done at the motel we were staying at. Yep. And uh, there was myself, Stirling, and Wally Lewis were the three representatives for the Australian team.
1: But
2: yep. do you think I could get a bet on with anyone that I'd win it? Not a chance. <laughs> no one wanted to take any bets, and I thought, geez, that's you know, the only time I knew I was a certainty.
0: Oh, you shoulda, um, you shoulda. <laughs>
2: but uh, yeah, it was yeah, it was a a, a a wonderful thing to be able to to say that you at one stage in your career you were rated the best rugby league player in the world, and I guess you can't get any higher than that. So. Uh, it was a very special day for me, and and it's something that I'm very
0: proud of. Honestly, I agree that that would be probably if I would have, for whatever reason, make it in the NRL. You know, if I would have ever have been an NRL player, I would have worked towards the Golden Boot. Wouldn't matter if I'd won Grand Finals or not. I would have worked and strived to get that achievement. And congratulations on making that in that year. Uh, one Thank last you. question is from the fan, and his name is Dewin Miles, and he asks, "Who was the hardest?" And or toughest player you ever played against, whether that's for strength or you know the way they played the game, etc.
2: Oh, it's a tough question. It, um, I often say to people I was very fortunate to play in an era where there were so many great players, and yes, um, obviously I, I, to to pick one, I mean, I look at a, a black like Wayne Pearce, we probably the toughest defensive player I've ever played against, yep. and um, I know he's... He got me one time there with a tackle, and I t- it took me 10 minutes to get up. And he was oh, really? one of those good But, you know, I, I guess if I had to pick one, probably Wally Lawrence would be the toughest player that I, I've had to play against. You know, it was always okay. very hard playing against Wally, and, and um, probably a close second would be Terry Lamb.
0: Okay, yep. um, was Is that yeah. more so for the way, you know, they played the game, um, their vision? Yeah, and yeah. Just,
2: yeah, just for the, yeah, their skill and. Um, and probably, well, in Wally's case, probably size. He was bigger than I was and, yep. um, you know, he was a former lock forward. And so, um, yeah, you know, just the skill levels, you know, were always good. And you knew, you know, when I, when I played it, you always wanted to have a, a nice, easy game. You didn't want to have it to be too, have it too tough. And But you knew when you played Wally Lewis, it was going to be a tough day. And that was the same when I played Terry Lamb. But, um, yeah, I'd say Wally Lewis won and Terry Lamb too.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Honestly, agreed. Because I wasn't, unfortunately, had I didn't have the privilege of being alive in the 80s. Um, but I have watched plenty of footage on YouTube, plenty of matches, you know, when they do the um, retro round on Fox Sports and whatnot. And yeah, definitely they, they did seem to, you know, know, know what was up. Um, yep. I want to thank you very much for joining us here at The Final Tackle. There is uh, one last thing I would like to ask is... Is there anything you would like to say to the fans listening, whether that's advice for them, life advice, sporting advice, or even if you have anything like an organisation or anything you'd like to promote or plug?
2: Oh, I mean, look, just, just to everyone that, that that was listening, you know, I, I just want to say thank you to all the, the, the Parramatta fans and, 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 and you know, I guess, rugby league fans in general. Um, throughout my career, I, I never really had too many hassles with, with the regular like league fan, and and um, was always very much appreciated for the way I played, and and I appreciate that 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 um, you know they enjoyed what I did, and I enjoy I enjoyed what I was doing, and and um, yeah, just wanted to say thank you to everyone for for what they've done and and um, the way they treated me, and and um, yeah, just you know just keep following the game. It, it's going through some tough times, but I'm sure we'll we'll um. Get through to the other end, and, and uh, hopefully the game will improve a bit better. And as we've already mentioned, you know, so maybe some of the rules might need to be changed. But, but um, yeah, look, it's, it's a great game. It was very good for me. And, and I just hope that everyone, you know, sticks with their club and, and supports their team, whether they finish from the bottom of the table or win a premiership. You know, they, all these guys are out there doing their best to, to um, get as far as they can in the game and help their club obviously win a premiership, and unfortunately it doesn't always happen. But, um, you know, I'm pretty sure that all the players would appreciate the fact that the fans keep turning up week week.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, And those are very wise words. Um, And again, once more, thank you very much for joining us here at the Final Tackle Podcast. We'll be sure to get you on at some point next season as well. And also, at the end of the season, once the grand final is done and dusted, I'll be doing a week-by-week... So, for 16 weeks, I'll be doing each week in alphabetical order um, a team's recap, you know, review, whatever you want to say, of how their 2019 season went. Would you like to join me for the Parramatta Eels episode?
2: Um, Yeah, if I'm available, that'd be fine.
0: Too easy? Well, it probably won't be for a, a fair few weeks, but as I said, I'll tee that up with you at a later date anyway, and we can sort that out. Not a problem. All good. Thank you very much, mate. And again, thank you for joining us here.
2: Yep, no worries.
0: Thank you, mate. Bye.
2: Bye-bye.